it's happening. It is happening. Fall is here. It is sweater weather time or oh, coat weather. <laughs> rain, snow, sleet, or hail, though. We're going to deliver. I, I was thinking the same hey, thing. See, you're on it. Look at that. <laughs> Put that in the podcast. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Floor 9. As ever, I'm your host, Ryan Miller. And in today's episode, I'm joined by a veritable panel of experts to chat about unlocking the power of direct mail in a digitally dominant era. With me this afternoon is Dave Fink, founder and CEO of Posty, Lauren Banks, brand marketing specialist at USPS, and Paul Tracy, VP of Advisory Services at Matterkind. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Absolute pleasure to have you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Really excited to get things underway. And I'm going to kick things over to you, Dave, first. Uh, I mentioned that you're the founder and CEO of Posty. Can you give us the quick download and a little bit more about yourself? What is Posty? And then ultimately, what led you to innovate in the direct mail space? Sure. So um, I graduated college uh, about 25 years ago at this point, which is kind of crazy. And no way. I know, uh, and and jumped right into the consumer internet space, and and that was mm. nineteen ninety nine two thousand, and spent the vast majority of those years either building um, direct consumer brands that got their advantage from understanding the way to build you know relationships directly with consumers and in leveraging emerging channels, um, all really digital first. And then the other half of, of kind of those years were, were built building um, uh, marketing technologies mm -hmm. that kind of sat on top of these emerging channels and, and helping brands actually extrapolate value. So, you know, it wasn't maybe the most direct path to um, launching a direct mail business, which we did about six years ago, but we, we really don't think about our, ourselves as just, you know, as posty, you know, a, a direct mail business, we, we really think about ourselves as a marketing platform hmm. to help brands um, leverage um, amazing technologies um, that can be applied to performant channels. And direct mail happens to be one of the most performant channels. Um, and, and we know that because we're deploying thousands of campaigns and hundreds of millions of pieces of mail on behalf of you know, wow. hundreds and hundreds, I guess at this point over, you know, well over a thousand. Um, you know, brands, and we're measuring every single engagement. And, um, and this channel is extremely performing. That's really interesting. And I think it's a very powerful tool for marketers today to have that equivalency to the systems that they usually operate in. But we heard the partner's perspective on things. And I want to go straight to the source now. So Lauren, I'm going to pass it over to you. How does the postal service ultimately see direct mail as a media channel? So the Postal Service, we view direct mail as a media channel as an uninterrupted one-to-one -one connection with your customer. Mm. So when we're looking at digital channels and other advertising channels, sometimes they can feel really pushy because we're all in competition. There's hundreds of messages out there. Preach. We're all attempting to be heard and you should decide on something immediately. And I think like where direct mail really comes in, it's in a neutral space. It's often uncluttered and this one thing where direct, direct mail meets you, it's in your mailbox. So if the offer resonates and you're able to capture your customer's attention, that mail piece can make it out of the mailbox and into the house where you're now interacting with it on a more personal level. It's, you can hold it, it's tangible and it can 
honestly surpass some of your digital channels just because you have it in your hand. Mm. So in short, it's a one-to-one uninterrupted connection with your customer. And everyone's inboxes are so cluttered these days that the mailbox is a good opportunity to actually break through some of that clutter. I remember like when I was a kid, my mom used to send me up the block to get the mail and it used to bring down like tens of packages and huge pamphlets and flyers. And today it seems like there's a little more opportunity to actually break through and get your message out there. So we heard from Dave, heard from Lauren. Now I just want to complete this triumvirate and get like the advertiser's perspective on things. So Paul, I'm curious, uh, what kind of channels does Matterkind usually operate in? And is direct mail something that's uh, more popular amongst clients these days? Yeah, Ryan, that, I mean, that's a great question. And again, thank you for having me. I, I think it, it is a bit funny as we talk about that question and, and think about direct mail as a media channel. Hmm. Um, here at Matterkind, we really take an audience first approach. So we like to say that we're channel agnostic and that we don't okay. really look at media in terms of what channels are right and more so want to take that audience first addressable approach to actually drive those measurable business outcomes with that best in class technology and ethically sourced data. So when it comes to defining the channels that Matterkind handles, um, through our audience first approach, Matterkind has subject matter exports across pretty much every channel you can define. Display, video, digital, uh, digital out of home, audio and CTV. Uh, we've also expanded into search, social, affiliate, e-commerce, and guaranteed outcomes. And today, we're actually very excited to say that we also have the capabilities through Dave and the Posty team to run addressable direct mail as part of that holistic media approach. Nice. That's really interesting. And I think it's something that our clients are going to be keen to take advantage of in the coming months, weeks, hopefully very soon. Um, so I thank you guys all for giving us a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. And I just want to move into what we're calling direct mail 2.0. So I may be generalizing a little bit here, but I do believe there's a massive misconception amongst marketers about direct mail being an antiquated channel. And I know that sentiment's not shared by anyone on this conversation, but Paul, I'm curious in your conversations with clients, what are their opinions on the channel and why do you guys at Matterkind think it's a valuable one? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I mean, I think if we think back to direct mail 1.0, right, mm. in terms of traditionally how it's done, I think a lot of brands would agree that typically they're if they're doing direct mail efforts, it's kind of handled in its own siloed, off, separate team managing, deploying, and totally. activating, similar to how they would treat email blast marketing, right? Mm. Um, I think a lot of brands think of it as a spray and pray reach tactic. Um, but really, as we're going to get into it, the, the digital components of addressable direct mail really allow us to bring this siloed channel um, into the full paid media marketing mix and drive incremental opportunity and revenue and results for our business because we understand that direct mail as a standalone still drives that high engagement, that, that extended touch point with the consumer, having that physical piece of mail um, on them and being able to read it and consume it and engage with it as they wish. And, and actually, I think it's important to highlight that in a recent direct mail study, 73% of American customers say they prefer being contacted by brands via direct mail because they can read it whenever they want. It's hmm. not a display banner that is there for you know the length of the session or your time spent on site. 
it's physical. They touch it, they engage with it, and it sits in their household. So um, being able to not only bring this into our digital efforts and what we're doing across paid social and search, those are still important channels, but being able to bring direct mail and bring that highly engaged touch point into the marketing mix and truly identify your audience, execute and optimize with efficiency and measure true online and offline actions back to that, that household reach is a huge component that a lot of marketers are not taking advantage of today. Yeah. And I think some of those digital capabilities are really unlocking the opportunity to make direct mail more part of your holistic marketing mix today. And, you know, part of that is what you're doing in the innovation sphere of things uh, over at Posty. And we know that it's not someone lining up and licking thousands of stamps anymore to get pamphlets out. So why don't you tell us a little bit more, Dave, about what you guys are doing in terms of digital capabilities to advance our role as marketers in sending out and disseminating messages across this channel? Sure. Well, so you know, we we take a technology first approach when we think about kind of the the three core buckets of of how you you know, activate um, you know campaigns in any channel, but but certainly what we focus on in 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 doing so in the, in the direct mail channel, they, they fall into the, into these three. So so the first one is 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 targeting, and so we spend a lot of energy thinking about you know what makes for better targeting, and and so you know this the second piece is is simpler execution. Direct mail, unlike you know, digital channels, requires you know, complex manufacturing, complex operations, complex logistics. U.S. Postal Service is, I believe, a six hundred thousand person organization, and and that's the that's the last mile, right? So there's there's all sorts of third party logistics providers and mm-hmm. um, and operational organizations that are actually manufacturing and preparing mail to be entered into the you know passed over to the U.S. Postal Service for delivery. Um, and then the third piece is, is is stronger measurement, just understanding you know what's working, what's not, which which closes the loop and allows you know the marketer to to um, have the the opportunity to really unlock pretty much every use case for 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 direct mail by um, not just allocating budget, but really understanding how to do so to accomplish mm. a specific marketing goal. The automation you know component to me you know kind of. Uh, is, is thread into all three of those, those buckets. So it's not just how to make the production of mail or the delivery of mail faster. Um, it's also how do you unlock the power of your first party data? So Paul mm. talked about how Matterkind takes this addressable audience first approach. You know, I think it's why we you know, kind of very early on in, in conversations recognized there was a partnership here because it's exactly how we think about the world. We don't wake up every day and solely think about how do we execute direct mail? We think about how do we provide the technology and tools to marketers to enable you know, their businesses to grow them, to drive top of funnel acquisition, you know, mid-funnel re-engagement or, or bottom of the funnel, you know, CRM and lifetime value building. So we've heard about that, that message in digital for years and years and years. And, and as um, as Paul you know, mentioned, direct mail um, in, in many cases is still being run on its own island, and and there's still value, um, and there's there's you know, you know smart brands wouldn't be um, allocating budget to the channel if if there wasn't some level of effectiveness. But when you start thinking about using technology to weave together direct mail and bring it into your overall addressable mix, that's where all of a sudden you know transformation takes place, and and that's really how we think about um, leveraging technology and empowering advertisers. Yeah, it's definitely going to supercharge our marketing abilities. And uh, 
Dave gave us the proverbial peek under the hood over at Posty, but Lauren, from the USPS side of things, what are some of the unique digital capabilities that you guys are bringing to the fore? I think when marketers are looking at direct mail, um, they have to think of it just as any other marketing channel. Um, mm. First, you have to make sure you have a compelling offer. We've said it before, and I, Paul and Dave kind of hit on it, like direct mail works. Um, I feel like the lack of data is something that, you know, marketers kind of stay away from when thinking about direct mail. They don't know that there's so much data that you actually can have at play here. Um, so that's why I think like the power of combining digital with the physical is what's key. When combined with like digital tactics such as QR codes, personalized URLs, promo codes, things that you can get to have real or near real-time data about customer mm. actions, that's the kind of technologies that we're including in our direct mail. Um, you had mentioned before that a lot of people believe that it's antiquated or direct mail doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Those are some of my favorites. Or <laughs> I don't know if my direct mail campaign even worked. Um, having being privy to that information, give marketers the ability to make real-time changes to their campaigns. And it's not just going to impact your direct mail campaign in the future if you choose to do it again, which you should. Um, it can also impact your digital campaigns. Um, you can, with retargeting, um, having that data to know when someone received your mail piece, um, using informed visibility, um, being able to track where in the U.S. or wherever you're shipping it to, uh, mm -hmm. mailing it to, knowing when someone got your mail piece. Now you can put out different retargeting efforts like text messages, email, or social post, um, using informed delivery. So now you have three touch points in one. You get the physical mail piece in your mailbox. You have the email. You have any additional content that that marketer or business wants to put forth. Those kind of innovations give you such a worldview of your marketing tactics. And having those innovations in direct mail takes away that whole antiquated idea because it's not. It's as innovative as you want it to be. And it's as powerful as you want it to be as a marketer. But it depends on, like I think Dave was saying, about knowing who your audience is, um, what's going to make them act. All those things are, have to come into play before even thinking about doing a direct mail campaign or any marketing campaign. Once you do that legwork and have those innovations at play, the world is basically yours. The customer is yours. <laughs> Yeah, as long as you can make that message hit their mailbox, then you have an opportunity to unlock new experiences with them. Exactly. Cool. So I think one of the huge reasons that we're all enamored with direct mail is because it is a brand safe channel. Paul, brand safety is obviously a major benefit and something hugely attractive to our clients. But what do you see as some of the distinct advantages of operating in this channel from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting take and it's definitely a side of things we want to make sure we're hitting home on from a brand safety perspective. I think a key example that everyone can recognize is that online, you can create a fake account. You can create bots and, and uh, fraud and, and generate false impressions um, back to that media that clients are still paying for. In the real world, you can't create a fake household and get a piece of direct mail. I mean, it's that simple. But I think at the end of the day, as we continue to see regulations and privacy compliance mm. continue to only go up, you know, we think about how it started with GDPR and then CCPA, and I believe there's new regulations coming out in a couple months as well. 
those privacy and regulations are there from a consumer perspective. Um, and the reason that we saw so much of the marketing dollars skew towards the digital landscape is because that's where consumers were spending their time. But that doesn't boil down or mitigate the fact that through direct mail, we are still able to reach that user at that household in a privacy compliant way with a physical piece of ad creative that is going to allow the brand to connect with that consumer. Yeah, so I may have led the witness a little bit, but you definitely honed in on the key point I wanted to touch on there, and that's privacy. And Dave and Lauren, I want to open up to both of you on this matter, knowing how important privacy is to consumers. Why do you think that direct mail is a powerful tool to overcome those obstacles that Paul was alluding to, CCPA and GDPR and all these compliances? Direct mail is already known for having protective measures in place to keep your mail private and safe. Mm. And aside from it being a safe channel, I think there's some sort of trust and safety in knowing that only one person can access your mailbox legally. <laughs> <laughs> so um, like we were saying, anyone can make a, a fake profile. Anyone can send you an email. Um, anyone can place an ad on a website just trying to attract you. But there is still something very special. And I'm still going to use the word private about receiving something in your mailbox when there's limited access to you as a customer. Um, in the realm of data, I also think direct mail is a really key player in the world of privacy and data um, and how you can actually use it to build your own customer data. Um, as we know, marketers, we're running out of third-party data with different privacy laws in play. We're now at a crossroads. You're either going to have to use the data that you have, and I'm going to say or, but it really is and, gather new data through a variety of like resources. So one way direct mail can actually help enhance the customer data is by using like business reply cards on your mail campaign. So you can actually have your customer fill out whatever data fields that you need them to have. Now, of course, you may not get all of them, but that's where, you know, using other channels comes into play. So now you're kind of building up your own data. So I think that's like the strongest part of what you can do with direct mail for the data and privacy and safety aspects. Yeah, and I, I can add a, a little bit from our, our perspective. You know, I think being the, you know, the innovator in the technology side and the executional side of, of, of direct mail um, and, and the fact that, you know, Posty came alive in an era of, of you know, changing regulation and, and consumer awareness. Um, you know, I think we're in a, in a, a a time that that certainly can be a little bit confusing and challenging for advertisers as you know, we're lacking a federal regulation um and um and you know at this point there are about a dozen you know separate state mm -hmm. specific um you know laws you know posty was created before gdpr um but we were created at a time when we we knew that that First party data, and we knew um, that the U.S. Postal Service required, um, you know, um, PII in order to deliver mail. Right. Um, right. And and so we we knew that in order to to provide advertisers the opportunity to target and measure, that the direct mail channels just required lots of data to be handled and touched. And so we, you know, from 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 day one, we were just very mindful of kind of the respect that we had to have for that first party data, and we took you know an approach, you know, bef before regulation kind of provided guidance on on how states were were kind of viewing requirements, um, to to think about the consumer first, 
you know, and, and, to, and so the technology and the capabilities that we put in the hand of advertisers, I'll take that consumer first approach to, you know, is data being, you know, used, collected, acted on the way that the typical consumer would, would expect. And I think that, that if you behave in that manner as an advertiser, as a data provider, as a technology and media channel, it's going to lead you into um, making the decisions that are just naturally going to be compliant. Direct mail, because it's it's a, a tangible media, because it's a very transparent space, which is different mm-hmm. than in the digital world, I think, you know, naturally, you know, encourages good behavior. And, and what I mean by that, like online, there's a lot of ways that, that you can hide, right? There, yep. as, as Paul mentioned, there's bot traffic, there's ways to disguise URLs. There are, you know, all sorts of tricks that you can do with, you know, with unnatural redirects and, um, and we can go down that rabbit hole, um, you know, quite a bit. That's not to say that digital channels aren't powerful and, and, and that the vast majority of, of, of players in the space aren't good actors, but, but we all know that, that you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to hide online. In, in direct mail, you're talking about a brand speaking directly to a consumer with a tangible, you know, ad that, that doesn't disappear. Once you scroll past it, you know, uh, online, it, it's gone and it may be hard to replicate it and find that URL and figure out what kind of unique, um, somewhat deceptive tactic was taking place. In indirect mail, it's not that it's impossible to, to behave poorly, but you're, you're doing so in a bit of a fishbowl. Yeah, I would totally agree with that analysis. It's uh, rare that you have a come across an opportunity where someone's uh, negatively reacting to a direct mail experience and you're hearing about it as well. So we addressed the common misconception earlier that direct mail was an antiquated channel. And I would say that another misconception that people have about direct mail is that people actually prefer digital to physical mail because of the sustainability issues. And we know that sustainability is obviously a tremendous concern for a lot of brands these days. And I think most when speaking to about direct mail are quick to point out that it quote unquote, uses a lot of paper. You can't see this, but I am heavily air quoting. What would you say to a consumer who's opting out for eco-conscious reasons? Dave, I'm going to pass it to you. Sure. You know, first as, as a, as a, as a marketer and putting my marketing hat on, what I would you know, disclaim is the best marketing is, is that which is authentic. And, mm. and so you have, um, if you're a brand that has a very specific belief in um, in the environment and the channel doesn't align up with with your belief, it, that's that's it's cer- certainly something worth considering. So my my intention would never be to um, push an advertiser who authentically had a specific belief that aligned mm-hmm. with their unique story and reason for existing and and um, and mission. And and push them out of that comfort zone. I, I encourage research and and truly understanding. Um, but one of the biggest mis you know I think misconceptions in 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 paper um, creation and manufacturing is is you know it's very easy to kind of envision a world where paper companies logging companies are just walking through fo- you know, random forests and cutting down trees and and you know kind of pillaging um, the environment. That, that that is not the case. Um, mm. you know, paper um, trees for paper are a crop, no different than at, at, at this point um, in in history, no different than corn or soybeans or or wheat fields. Uh, trees are planted typically in seven year cycles, 
and they're harvested in, in seven year cycles. And um, and and they're the, the trees that are planted are, are dedicated to the paper industry and um, they're harvested for the paper industry. So th I think that, um, uh, you know, understanding alone, I know for me, I'm, I'm an outdoor enthusiast, I'm a mountain biker, I'm, you know, I'm a surfer, I'm a trail runner. Um, my favorite brands are typically sustainable brands. Um, it was something that I had to do research on and feel good about before launching Posty. And, and, um, and so as far as the direct environmental impact of, you know, any concerns about deforestation to support the direct mail industry or the paper industry in general, that, that just is definitively not the case. As long as people keep it a self-sustaining cycle and start recycling correctly, as opposed to just dumping all that mail in their shredder or garbage bin, then I think that this is a totally self-sustaining model going forward. But for, aside from the paper consideration and you know how many trees that we're ultimately cutting down or not cutting down, as we just learned from Dave, Lauren, I know that USPS is doing some things to mitigate their environmental impact too by making their fleets go electric. Um, I know that it's not every single mail carrier that has one of these spiffy new EVs yet, but you care to give us a little more detail on what that program is? Yeah, so everyone has seen a postal vehicle. I'm 100% sure of this. <laughs> once so, or twice. <laughs> once or twice, maybe. Um, and they're reaching millions of households up to six or seven times a week, six, seven days out of the week. Um, so the USPS is definitely making a conscious effort and continuous investments to modernize, optimize, and improve our delivery fleet. Um, in February 2022, um, we had obligations with the National Environmental Policy Act to um, actually acquire up to 165,000 what we call NGDVs or next generation delivery vehicles and actually have a commitment for at least 10% to be battery operated. Um, right now, we've already ordered about 10,000 BEV next generation delivery vehicles and we're exploring increasing that number. Um, so we're definitely taking a conscious effort to make sure that we are being as environmentally conscious as possible. Soon you might see um, as many electric postal vehicles as you do Teslas on the road, at least at the rate you guys are cranking them out a little bit faster than they are. Yeah, maybe. And we also have, you know, bike routes and walk routes. So we're doing our due diligence. <laughs> So we want to make sure that our listeners have some actionable takeaways. Paul, I'm going to pass it over to you. How can our clients leverage direct mail today? And what do you see as some of its advantages beyond some of the aforementioned points throughout our conversation? I mean, I think at the end of the day, tying back into a lot of what we've spoken about already is, you know, through that audience first approach, we're essentially plugging in direct mail into a holistic marketing scheme. So when you think about those digital advancements that Dave highlighted before, being able to leverage online and offline data points to really define and target your audience with precision allows us to be more effective in terms of identifying who we're reaching and how we're reaching them. The second piece, when he mentions, you know, the simplified production and shipping process, allowing us to reach that endpoint of, of the user's mailbox uh, based on the point of deployment, ties into the efficiencies and our ability to reach these users in a timely manner based on those online actions. And then finally, going back to, again, just that holistic measurement approach, the ability to measure and attribute online and offline actions back to a household really just allows us for real-time optimizations and that cross-channel performance analysis. So at the end of the day, 
we're not reinventing the wheel here. It's just providing another touch point, which is an, arguably an extremely highly valued point of an engagement with the consumer into that holistic digital approach and looking at things apples to apples. Yeah, you killed my quick follow-up query because that real-time optimization is really the point that I want to hammer in on. We need to make sure we're operating at the speed of the rest of our media. So knowing that we have the opportunity to have that nuance in A-B testing and real-time optimization through direct mail is a huge reassurance for marketers for sure. But Lauren, going over to you, we know that this is a channel with scale. But what about the importance of messaging here? Is it enough to just kind of blast something out into the ether and hope it sticks like a 20% off Bed Bath & Beyond coupon? Well, I have a lot of those in my house, but <laughs> the short answer is no. Um, marketers need to see every channel as an opportunity to build upon itself. So we have to think omni-channel, not multi-channel. Um, everything that's really being pushed from your business in looking at the time frame that we're in, we're going into the critical holiday season. Mm -hmm. Everything needs to be planned and coordinated. Um, like I was saying in the beginning, everyone is vying for the attention of a single consumer. So they're pulling out their best ad agencies or, or if you're a small business, you have your best Canva creative. Yeah. Um, but the key is that there has to be a consistent message and voice that your company has. With ads, someone had mentioned, we're like, in a fishbowl. And we are all similar to like goldfish. We have a three to five attention span. Um, so if you don't have a consistent message that's consistent across all of your channels, you're going to lose the ability to have awareness and memory of your offer. And when we're looking at direct mail as a channel, in marketing as a whole, but specifically direct mail, it's never going to be about having the fanciest creative or even having the most elaborate copy because like I said, we got three to five seconds. You, you got to get to the point. Um, you have to say those one or two things that your customer needs to hear at the right time for them to feel certain that they can trust your company for whatever their purchase or whatever service, service it is that you're offering. And the key here is that it's about being consistent with purpose versus being incessant. Mm. And also it's stemming back to knowing who your customer is and what you can offer to that customer that your competition cannot. I love that take, Lauren, that fine line that you have to tread between being incessant versus consistent. And I know, Dave, you give up the clients the tools to find that and tread that line there. Um, you want to talk about some of the innovations that you're bringing to the fore over the course of the next year or so, or just more generally in the direct mail space that are really going to enable us to do that with more consistency in the future? All the panelists really... Um you know, nailed it, right? There are three core levers that you can, um, you know, pull to optimize um, how your business grows really in any mm -hmm. channel, but but DM in particular. And, and one of those is, is, you know, is targeting, leveraging data. Second is the messaging that Lauren just spoke about. Um, and the third is, is, you know, frequency and interval, right? In, you know, in direct mail, it's, it's a channel that, um, that is, is massive. Right. So depending on whose numbers you use, the most recent data, you know, that that that, that I've read um, says there's about $50 billion spent in the direct mail space in the US alone this year. Uh, any you have uh, the US Postal Service can deliver an ad um, in communication to anyone with a, a US Postal Service delivery point, which is essentially a mailbox. The channel is 20% bigger than Facebook, 20% bigger than Google because you're not, you know, you're not 
waiting for someone to engage, run a search, jump onto maps, you know, search through an Instagram feed, et cetera. So, you know, when, when you think about innovation and how to bring it all together, you know, first and foremost, you, you got to start with, with insights and knowledge on, on your business, who your consumer base is, mm-hmm. and not just who, who your consumer base is in aggregate, but, but, you know, the nuances there, most businesses have a number of different, um, you know, segments or clusters of consumers that engage with their brand or product or service for different reasons. The deeper um, knowledge that you have and the more insights um, leveraging data that you have on, 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 on your consumer base, the more likely you are to be able to come up with your hypotheses and activate on them. You know, then you know, DM is a channel and, and you know, with technology um, innovations like Posty, you can now think about activating on different segments and audiences differently. So whether it's it's um, you know being you know, more efficient with how you're prospecting or uh, reactivating your driving lifetime value within different segments within your consumer base, if you know the nuances of uh, and and have insights on on who those individuals are and how they're different and how they behave differently, then you can start tying the right messaging, the right frequency, um, you know, and the right channel. Um, you know, mix um, in order to, to, to maximize performance. The, the, the last piece I'll say is that, you know, because direct mail is such a big channel, it warrants substantial budgets, both mm. t- at the testing level and at, as, as you scale. And leveraging technology and data and efficiency and measurement um, allows you to eliminate a lot of the waste that used to be required in order to stand up a direct mail program or transform a direct mail program. So, you know, the ideal advertiser or that, you know, the typical advertiser doesn't want to have to allocate a whole bunch of expensive test budget to find out what works. They want to be able to um, preemptively leverage machine learning and big data and prediction and first party data and insights in order to isolate those executional campaigns that are most likely to drive return. And we're now, as of the last few years, in an era in direct mail where that, that's possible. And it's possible to do it in real time, integrated with your other channels, integrated with your other um, you know, database t- um, uh, platforms. Well, that just about does it for us here at Floor 9. I just want to give a huge thanks to our guests, Dave, Lauren, and Paul, for being here. Dave, want to give you a quick shout about the upcoming holiday guide from Posty. Yeah, so um, you know we work really hard to to try and um, you know educate the market with um, opportunities to to gain value from the direct mail channel and from just quantitative addressable marketing approach in general. So we have um, the 2022 holiday marketing playbook um, that can be found on our website. We'll share um, a direct link with you that you can put in the show notes. And um, doesn't promote Posty, but it does go through some um, strategies, tactics, and and insights that can help um, help you maximize the value that um, that you can get out of this channel here during holiday and beyond. Awesome. We'll definitely include those in the show notes. And Lauren, how about for uh, our listeners who want to learn more about USPS, uncover some additional content you guys been cooking up? Yeah, so I know I talked a lot about like the different innovations that we have. So for more guidance on how to really incorporate that in your direct mail, as well as in your overall marketing mix, we have learning modules at uspsmailjourney.com. And if you want more insights on how direct mail has evolved, you can visit uspsdelivers.com.
Awesome. And Paul, you want to give us your home address so everyone can send you fan mail through direct yeah. mail? That would be privacy compliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I appreciate you all joining us here for this direct mail discussion on Floor 9. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. Of course. And as always, you can find us on Medium at the IPG Media Lab and on Twitter at IPG Lab. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. -bye.